Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. Well, David, I believe congratulations are in order. How so? We have officially made it halfway through Thrive. We are at through through. Now we're <laughs> now we all have to, all we have to do is tackle the IVE, the IVE, and it's going to be great. I, I think that's an accomplishment. We got we got to celebrate the wins, right? Isn't that For sure. leadership one hundred and one? Yeah, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> that's coming up. In fact, that's a little teaser. It is. It is. So. I'm excited about this conversation. I know that both of us, this is a very relevant one for even just our past lives, right? In the nonprofit space, this word of impact. It's been used, it's been overused, it's been misused, but I think we're going to lean into a really exciting conversation around this subject. For our listeners who have maybe not been on the journey, first time finding us, would encourage you to go back and listen to our episodes around trust, health, and relationships. You don't need to listen to them in order for them to make sense because this is a interconnected web. Uh, there are a lot of overlap with these principles, but it may help to provide some helpful framing for, for the conversation we're about to jump into. So, all right, let me set the stage for us. And then I want to pass the mic over to you, David, to take this and, and run with it. I guess you run with a baton, not a microphone. Although I guess you could run with both. The way that we define impact when we are doing our assessment work with our companies is the ways people understand why they do what they do and how their work is impacting the broader community, which I think for us really is, you know, we've, we've built up kind of our theory of change around thriving leaders, thriving companies, thriving communities. This is, this isn't why we invest in leaders right? To just use them for a greater impact. But we do believe the impact is, is going to flow from healthy and thriving leaders and companies, right? So I feel like this is a two-part problem and a two-part conversation. Before I believe that my work matters for other people, I need to believe that it matters, period. So maybe let's start there. David, why does all work matter? Well, it matters because it matters to God. And for those of us who come from a, a worldview that's centered on the Bible, this is incredibly inspiring to know that God created us to work, which is a really fundamental principle for us to understand in a truth that the very first thing he did when he made us in his image is he gave us a job. He said, fill and subdue the earth, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that roams over the ground. So to know that we're created to work and that work is good, this happened before the fall, and that even in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be working, takes a 
different perspective on how we think about work. It's not just something that's a means to an end, something we have to do, but it's something that we're created to do. And in that, we're actually co-creators with God. It's just amazing when we take a step back and realize that God could have made everything that we see around us, but he stopped and he rested and then he gave us that baton. He gave us the baton to continue his creation. And except for the things that we see in nature, everything around us has been made by men and women who've been gifted by God with unique skills and talents to create the world in which we live. And it's ever evolving because of the ways that God has used all of us to continue his creation. And as a result of that, we glorify God through our work. We see that in scripture in Colossians, where it says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. And and then this uh, incredible verse that we see in Jesus's final prayer before he died in John 17, he said, he's praying to God and he said, I I brought you glory on earth, Father, because I completed the work that you gave me to do. And wouldn't that be a great prayer for all of us to have at the end of our life, this idea that we've brought glory to God because we've completed the work that he gave us to do. So all of us have been given work by God, unique work, where you are in your work today, whether it's paid or unpaid, is part of God's supernatural plan and that he's put you in your position, in your place to carry out this work, to continue to be a a creator, a co-creator with God for the work that he's doing in the world. And that's just an amazing perspective. A lot of us don't have that perspective, particularly, certainly, if we don't come from that worldview, we don't have that perspective. But that certainly helps us from the very beginning understand how impactful our work can be. Yeah, that's powerful. And I'm, I'm really glad we're starting there because it, it feels like it it lays a really solid foundation for moving forward. When we talk about impact, you kind of have to go back to the beginning. So I know for me, I had, I think, a misperception about work kind of being, it's cursed, right? After the fall, you know, Adam and Eve screwed up. And so work is going to be really hard forever. And that was all lumped in versus, no, this was an originally designed to be a beautiful thing where God is inviting us to be co-creators Whatever we do, right? Whatever we do. We're not talking about some jobs are inherently more worthy than others. All work is worthy and meaningful, right? Um, Absolutely. And of course, it is broken now because the fall work is broken. So we toil and it's hard and it's stressful and it creates anxiety. And that's part of the reason why we're having this podcast is to help us navigate this broken world of work. But to do it, understanding the broader impact that we have and and not just in our communities, but, you know, even the small things that we do to further the the purpose of the businesses and the organizations with which we work is extraordinarily important as well. Hmm. So I think from from that position, I love we're going to keep using this term being co-creators with God on earth and that my work matters deeply to God whatever it is that I'm doing, whatever it is I'm putting my hands to. From that point, moving towards talking about impact, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that I understand the impact my work has in the world, right? A, doesn't necessarily lead to B. 
because often there's a there's a huge disconnect at the employee level between the work that they do and the downstream impact it has, right? And there's a whole lot of history there. Thank you, Industrial Revolution, for <laughs> removing us from the end product and, and for the sake of scale and growth, for growth and scale's sake. But I digress. But I do believe that COVID has only really exacerbated this problem in a way. You know, remote work has brought a lot of benefits, but you know, this rise of remote work has also led to more removal and kind of more isolation, workers being insulated and distanced from the impact that their work has, their effort, the efforts have. So how do leaders help bridge this gap for those they lead to help connect them better to impact? Because leaders usually score higher here when we assess than the, those they lead. They're more connected to the impact than the, their their employees are. So how do, how do we bridge that gap, David? Yeah, well, it makes sense that the leaders would have a higher score in this category compared to their employees because they they typically understand the why of why they're doing what they're doing. They have had a purpose for their business. And if they're the founders of it, for sure, they understand the why of their business. And therefore, they need to constantly connect their people to the why of their work. And that can be challenging or not on a leader's radar often because it's so natural to the leader. It just kind of happens. And yet they they're don't think about it all the time. They're thinking about it all the right. time. And it, and they, you know, just like you don't think of the things you don't know, they don't realize that their people come at this in such a different place and have to be taught, have to be um, continually have the communication and the themes that come with their mission, their their vision, and their values to be to be at the forefront of why they do what they do. And for a leader, that can seem like it's a soft thing to do. It, it's not important. We have to get things done. You know, why do I need to step back and always constantly go over mission or values and vision? But it's extraordinarily important to give context for people to understand their why. And again, it's both the why of how their work impacts the broader community, but it's also the why of how their particular job helps further the mission of the organization. So we help leaders do that by creating opportunities for their people to see really the impact of their work. And a couple, you know, examples of having companies that we work with do events where they show their employees the finished product. We had one company whose employees, they're a manufacturing company and have a role in building buildings. And some of their back office employees had never seen the finished product of one of their buildings. And so that company held an event at that building, got the people at that place to give a behind the scenes tour of the building to show how the very small work that this back office person was doing, where they couldn't see the the overall impact of their work, was absolutely critical and necessary in order to make this glorious building become a reality. And so to help our people see that uh, effect and that finished product is one way to do that. 
But again, leaders have to be really sensitive to getting into the shoes and the perspectives of their people to help them constantly connect to the why. That's a, that's a powerful story. And visuals can really help reinforce for people who may be disconnected from the end product. Oh, this is, this is what I'm contributing to. This is this bigger story. You know, it's not just my story. I'm a part of something bigger than myself, you know, both within the company, but then also I'd like to shift gears as we kind of land the plane here to think about just briefly, what does it look like to kind of have an outward vision even beyond your company's impact and think maybe more, a little bit more holistically, right? I love this quote. This is from a, a new CEO of a, of a hospital who took over the reins and he, he started his first staff meeting by saying, this is my vision for this hospital. We will become a blessing to this city. I want to see the people of this city flourish because this hospital exists. That quote has really stuck with me. I don't know who said it, right? It was, it was referenced in, a, in an article that I read, and it just has, it's inspiring to see a leader lean in like that in such a focused and intentional way, not just for the bottom line of the hospital. He didn't say, I, I want us to be the best hospital in the world. It's, I want to be a blessing to this city. I want to see the people of this city flourish. Now, I want to be careful here because I realize some of our listeners lead or work for companies with a huge footprint, global footprint. They have multiple offices all around the country, all around the world. Their reach is vast. But let's talk about why place matters in this conversation around impact. You know, nonprofit vernacular of being place-based, that's seen as a best practice wherever possible. But that's, that conversation is not really mentioned much nearly as much in the business world. So David, why do you think, what keeps business leaders from having more of a place focus when it comes to impact, kind of being more connected to their community of where they're operating? And even if it's in multiple places, kind of having a place-based focus. And second part of that question, what, what are they missing out on when they don't have a sense of place when it comes to impact? Well, part of it is what you just described. They have a broad scope of their work that can make that challenging. We also just live in such a transient community culture, particularly now with things being so remote and so disconnected. And I think we're all longing to be connected again, quite honestly. And I think we're going to see a swing in various ways where we see people coming back together so that we have that connection. It's because of the way we're wired. And you know, I think of Jeremiah 29, 7, where God gives us a vision for that when he says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So to answer your second question, place is so important. And for us to have a perspective of how the work that we do has impact in the place where we live and where we work, because in its welfare, we will experience our welfare. So in, in other words, if we want to thrive, we need to have a part in helping our cities thrive. And oftentimes business leaders or leaders of any organization don't necessarily have that as the ultimate goal. You know, it's, it's, we're so focused on our own work and our own success and our own goals that we may not even have goals for how our work has measurable outcomes for the city and the places where we have uh, our operations. And 
we talk about this in our groups with our just leadership groups, this idea of how you define success, because this is really important, you know, what is success? And, and as we talk about what it looks like to be just as leaders, we recognize that success has to be much broader of a definition than we typically see in our companies and organizations. And we, we delineate it between this idea of success is winning, which is really what our culture be described as, versus success is flourishing. And what is really success is flourishing look like? On the winning side, success is winning is more individual. It's, it's competitive. You have a win-lose environment. I win, you lose. And, and so, you know, it's kind of a dog-eat-dog world. If you take your foot off the pedal, you're going to lose, you know, all that kind of thing. And so in contrast, success is flourishing. is much different. Instead of being individual, it's communal. Instead of being win-lose, it's win-win, everyone winning. And instead of being competitive, it's restorative. And there's a lot we can say in those three categories of how we define success as flourishing, but it's a totally different perspective on what our outcome should be that is deeply tied to place, that we see that the work that we're doing is so that everyone can win and everyone can be restored and things can be redeemed and we operate from a we dynamic versus a me and I dynamic. And that takes incredible leadership for someone to lead a company, lead an organization that is pursuing that kind of success and still remain competitive and still have a viable business that is able to be profitable and, and you know, reach its own goals while also having the goals of impacting its community. And why, why again, do we do that? Because in its welfare, we will, we will experience our own welfare. We will thrive if our cities thrive. If, if we live in a place where we're creating, where people are losing because of what we're doing, then ultimately we lose. We may not realize it immediately, but down the road, we don't, we don't win. And so, those are hard conversations to have, very creative and opportunities for us to think through what that looks like. But it's exciting when we start to think that way as leaders. Yeah, that's, that's a whole new way of looking at our work, shifting from, and that's so countercultural, which means you got to be so intentional to swim upstream, right? Away from success is winning to, I love, I love that terminology, success is flourishing and I guess a question for our listeners, right? As we as we wrap here, it's like, what do I see my thriving as tied to the thriving of my community? Because there's a there's a work that's a work lane. That's also just like a human lane. Because I think I think if we if this all goes back to seeing it from a, from a faith perspective, you know, and loving neighbor, that's that's all of life, you know, and that's going to look differently within work as it does at home, neighborhood, et cetera. But it's it, that mutuality concept is huge. And we're, I think we need to put a pin on that. We need to come back to that one. And that's, that's a whole another episode. I, I agree because it, it's something we've got to fight for because our culture is going down the, the opposite way. In order to do what you just said, you have to know your community. You have to be in your community. You have to connect with your community. And we, again, are being scattered 
Mm. We're living in more of a scattered experience than a connected experience. And so we're swimming upstream to do that. Mm. So David, give us a give us a final thought. We always wrap with the bottom line here. So what's the bottom line when it comes to impact that you want to leave our listeners with? I love this quote by Martin Luther King. He says, no work is insignificant. All labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. So he wraps up that whole big idea that we're created to work, all work matters to God, that we glorify God by doing things excellently, and that our challenge as leaders is to help those that we lead truly experience that. So it's a summary of what we said, and and certainly to make sure that we're connecting that to place so that in our city's welfare, we will experience our own welfare. And I hope that's a real encouragement to all of you who are listening. And certainly, I think it raises a lot of questions that hopefully we'll have the opportunity to discuss and have answers for as we continue on this journey. That's right. That's right. Stay on the journey with us as we keep working through this acronym of Thrive, what it looks like to thrive. And I think we're this one we definitely are unpacking in some pretty powerful ways. So thanks, David. We'll see you next time. Thank you. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals, one, one, then spelled out, T-E-N, leadership.com. That's one, one, T-E-N, leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.